What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the First in Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Jake Cacavaro. And I'm Assistant Sports Editor Nicholas Schnecker. A little bit of a hiatus for us the last couple of weeks. I've uh, been slacking a little bit on the podcasting, mostly because it's kind of hard to schedule around the basketball schedules. Because you got to like make sure like you got a podcast between games or after a game. Kind of weird. Yeah. But that's not why we're here, because we can't schedule a basketball episode. But we're here yeah. for baseball. So there's baseball. That. It is that time of year again. Um, before we get into baseball, we're going to start with a topic from the sports world. Um, this week... Um, it's, it's our first real episode since the Astros scandal. And since we are talking about baseball, I thought it would be fitting to start with that. Um, I think it's kind of been in the works as, you know, the scandal for a while, but kind of interesting developments over the last couple of months. Um, Jake, I know you're you're a big uh, baseball fan. You're a Red Sox fan who, you know, has their own thing going on. Uh, but what what is your take on the whole, like, scandals? Okay, so... First, when it came, when the news first broke that the Astros had, and I'm going to use air quotes, had cheated, had stole signs, I was like, eh, whatever, like, they probably did something a little illegal, and I'm of the mindset, every team does something a little illegal to steal signs. Yeah, but, yeah, but they no, got no, caught. I know. Listen, uh, wait, yeah. And I was like, they, I was like, I'm sure most teams are doing it, but if you're dumb enough to get caught, you deserve a punishment, whatever. And then... Kind of the extent of what actually happened came out, and I was like, "Well, hold on. There's no way a lot of teams are doing this. Like the the Astros scandal went as deep as broad as you can get, and so I was still kind of skeptical that MLB would punish them very much because up until now there had really been no real punishment for sign stealing. I mean, there's been sign stealings. There was the White Sox in the '60s. Uh, there was the Giants in the '40s. There, there's been sign stealing scandals since baseball's inception, and nothing's ever really happened. But then the punishments came down. They lost first and second round picks. Basically, their coaches. It led to their. It led to AJ Hinch getting fired and Jeff Crane getting fired, or not Jeff Crane, um, Luno getting fired, and the GM and the manager. I was like, okay, so this is serious. And I thought it was going to end. I thought they would take their punishment, blah, blah, blah. But now the players are pretty much trying to deny it without actually denying it. The owner, Jeff Crane, or Jim Crane, said that he didn't think that it affected the games. And then 50 seconds later said that he never said that. And they're just, they're, the Astros are bungling it as bad as you can. And then you've got the commissioner of baseball saying he thinks Astros have been punished fairly and that the public perception, the airing of the public's grievances is more punishment than he could ever levy. Then he just called the World Series trophy in response to people saying that the Astros should have to vacate it. He called the World Series trophy just a piece of metal. That's and the just, thing that bugs me. I want to hop in here yeah, just on no, that. Go for That's it. the it's thing so that bugs terrible. me more than anything else because, like, trophies go beyond, like, what they actually are. They really mean something, especially to, like, cities and, like, fans especially and... Because, like, in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever, there will be an asterisk next to, like, this World Series, but it will still say the Astros won it, whether or not they still have, as he put it, some piece of metal. So it's like, it would mean, it would be a lot bigger punishment if you take that away because, like, it means this is unacceptable to the game, not just to do, but... Like it's not just against the league; it's against the game. It, it. I mean, leagues. It happens to leagues all the time. When something <laughs> happens, the the league has to be like, "This is not right. This is a punishment," and it has to send a message to everyone yeah. else and saying, "Do not do this, or you will end up like I mean, this person or this team." It reminds me. It's, it reminds me of Cars, when he goes, "It's just an empty cup." Well, to be honest, ain't nobody actually saying that in real life because everybody gives. A lot of crap about except, every single trophy, except the commissioner of BMO. Apparently, apparently. But I don't know the the thing. Like you said, Jake, the thing that first crossed my mind was everybody's cheating, and everyone's doing it in some capacity. It's not really a secret. You know, it's going on. Like you said, there's been scandals before. I was surprised of the severity um, to which they were using technology. I think is kind of where that where that gets to a. a a crossing point where you're using like cameras live during the game. That's not really something that and trash cans. Okay, trash cans was kind of weird. Okay, th- that's the thing that gets me is like 
I know y'all are, you two are a lot bigger baseball fans than I am. But when I was like reading about it, and it was like they were banging on trash cans yeah. to get the signs there. I just laughed because like that's one of those things that's so absurd that it's funny. It's funny that they use technology to get the sign, and then they use banging on a trash can to relay the sign. <laughs> well, I mean, also the buzzer thing is interesting. Allegedly, allegedly, they definitely did. I, I, I haven't but read allegedly. it. They, they allegedly definitely, let's make sure we don't <laughs> yeah. get sued for, for defamation. They allegedly definitely used buzzers. I, I haven't read enough about it to really know what like all is in the accusation. I know it's partially due to Altuve's, when he hit the home run, the walk-off home run, he's like, don't take my jersey off. Which is weird, and Carlos Correa, I think, in the last week was like, it's because he had an unfinished tattoo. And I'm like, well, I I would get, like, Maybe if it's like really a big tattoo that like you don't want people to see until it's like actually done because it looks bad right now. But like that's what's crossing your mind as you're walking home. Well, like, come and on. at first they said they didn't even mention the tattoo. At first, when the buzzer rumor came out, they said that Altuve didn't want his shirt taken off because he was shy, right? And that because yeah. his wife didn't want him to have his shirt taken off. And now they're saying the tattoo and not to get into okay, conspiracy now. theories or anything because that that will never be proven. Now, con- being of here the fan of the sport where. Taking your shirt off is the most regular thing out of all sports, <laughs> yeah. which is soccer, you know. I mean, you get a yellow card for it, but, like, that's the most, like, typical soccer celebration is, yeah. you know, like, Aguero's goal against QPR, you know, rip the shirt off, wheel it around your head, throw it. I mean, whatever. it happens all the time in yeah. baseball. You get a walk-off home run, they pull your jersey off, like, they, whatever. They just rip it off. Yeah, I don't know why, like, if it, if it actually is a tattoo or something else, like, that's not what you're thinking no. coming around third base. Yeah. That's No, there's no way that that's... But overall, when the punishment first came out, I was like, you know what? That's not too bad because the team really got, as a team, as an organization, I thought that was okay. The problem to me is that the players are walking free with a ring and they have no punishment at all. And that's and something that sounds like it was player driven. That definitely bugs me. You know what my favorite thing is, though? The other players aren't letting this go yeah. down. Yeah, that's And, like, true. I know the commissioner's out there saying, like, if you throw an Astros players, like, you will be hammered or whatever. Which I want to say is good. You, yes. you still shouldn't yeah. try and injure these no, guys. you yes. shouldn't try to injure them. Like, throwing in baseball, like, throwing at somebody is the retaliatory thing in baseball. Which is yeah. a problem. It is a problem. That's like, a conversation soccer. for another day. It's not great. It's but. a problem. Like, it's going to happen 100%. So you're going to get players that are going to get suspended for retaliating against Astros players that didn't get suspended for pretty much just basically a big old middle finger to the game itself. Yeah, and and that, that's basically my issue is I don't think the players should be getting hit by pitchers on purpose no, no, for what I, happened. I agree with I you. I don't think they should have to forfeit the trophy or anything. I just think the players should have gotten suspension. So yeah. if, if Carlos Correa is a big part of it. Suspend him for 20 games or something. Even in baseball, 20 games is, 20 is not that an much eighth in of the season. It's, yeah. su- suspend, suspend, give the players some punishment rather than just the people that weren't even... Like A.J. Hinch, they, he, they, the player said he said, it was in the reports, that he mul- multiple times, times tried to stop it. Mm-hmm. Even once smashed all the equipment they used for it. Yet he gets suspended for a year, fired because of that, and honestly may never get another job coaching baseball. Definitely won't in the next few years. I I don't think he will probably ever. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he might be good for the business side, Yeah, but it's it's bad PR to pick him up. Yeah, I just think it's crazy that the players didn't get uh, fully any, agree. Fully any agree. punishment. Then real quick, what like how do you go about the punishment? Just to wrap this up here, because how do you know who's doing what? Because they're not gonna be like sit down and be like, Yeah, this guy was doing this and this guy was like that's not gonna happen. Unless you talk to maybe a player that's not on the team anymore. Even then they but, probably won't. Yeah, even then. But then it's also like if there's a bunch of players there, like what, you suspend the entire team for 30, 40 games, what they have to call up their triple A guys for like the first half of the season? Like there's a, that, like that seems weird to me too. Yeah. Is that like you're gonna suspend an entire team, but you're not gonna take a trophy away, or like, well, like how do you pick My, who to suspend and how long? There are definitely guys on that team that knew what was happening and didn't agree with it, but were afraid to speak up. Probably guys that like weren't necessarily like big stars on the team that are like, man, this isn't right. But if I say something, my career, his, their career is probably over. Yeah, you know, and that's why the original whistleblower was it. What was his name? I forgot who it was. Ah, Fierce. Mike Fierce. Fierce. Yeah, Mike Fierce. 
Yeah, it just seems like that's a pretty big thing to oh, step yeah. out and say that because, like, first of all, like, if you're in that clubhouse still, people aren't going to like you. And that's, you definitely need to wait till you're gone. Yeah. And then, second, it's like, well, if other teams are doing like smaller things, like we all think or know that they are, like, is he going to do it again? And that's why I'm thinking, like, that was a big deal to come out because he still wants to play, obviously. Right. Yeah. So it, it would take somebody that's like ready to retire, like maybe not for a couple of years, but they decide, like, Man, this is the right thing to do. And it's just probably not going to happen, unfortunately. So, yeah, the players should be suspended. I fully think that. But they're just not going to be because you're going to get somebody that gets suspended that always claim they were never doing anything and it's going to turn into a big old appeal thing. And it's almost more hassle than it's worth to try and suspend them. Yeah. Which sucks. Because honestly, if they were going to get suspended, they would have to figure out a way to stagger the suspensions. There's no way they would suspend exactly. everyone at once. And then it just... It gets to be too big of an issue, but yeah, yeah, and that's that's Major League Baseball's issue. So yeah, well, at least people are talking about baseball. Uh, moving on to baseball, uh, from baseball to baseball. NC State started its season February fourteenth with a weekend series against James Madison, three and zero that weekend. Um, as of the night we are recording, which is Tuesday, um, just picked up another win against the Longwood. Uh, all three, you know, fairly good wins. The closest one probably that Saturday uh, against James Madison won nine to six. Had to come back there in the eighth inning. I think it was a five spot in the eighth inning. So, yep. um, you know, a fairly good start. Ranked, I think it was sixteen to or fifteen to start. 16. Sixteen. Sixteen to start, and now they're fifteen, I believe. Yeah, that's so, right. Um, top twenty-five team. There's a lot of ACC teams in the top twenty-five. I think there's eight on the D1 baseball rankings, and I think oh, there's yeah. like nine SEC teams. So, um, you know, a lot of great teams that NC State is definitely going to play this year, but. Um, just going to get our quick takeaways from the first series or the first four games, really, and then we'll kind of look at the future for sure. Um, you know, the, my number one thing watching the first couple of games is Devontae Brown. Uh, Devontae Brown said 500. He has three doubles, a home run, seven RBIs, slugging awesome. at like 875. Um, so my, you know, kind of jump out player very first is Devontae Brown. Oh, yeah. He's good yeah he's been really good he had a really good summer league in the Sun Belt league uh i think had the home run crown yeah. and all and he, also led in like runs and something else so um he he talked about that today he got asked after the game about like where this has been because before this year he hit 148 his freshman year in 30 games played and 286 last year 286 is pretty good but it was almost all single suits not even yeah. like a great 286 oh, no, yeah. he had and then before this year <laughs> He had three extra base hits in his college career in 49 plus 27. That's 86. No, 76 at bats. Only three extra base hits. And he talked about that playing in the summer league. And he said that that was a big thing for him. Just getting at bats yeah. and getting good at bats. I'm not surprised he jumped into the lineup. I am a little surprised it's at third base and that it's in the cleanup spot. Because I thought he would have, he'd come back and have a good year, but I thought he would fit in in a corner outfield spot and he'd bat like sixth well, or seventh. That's what he started on Friday. He started in the right in right field, but that's something Elliot Avent has talked about a lot over the last couple of games has been their versatility and their ability to move everyone around. And he also said like he doesn't consider like them having a cleanup spot was something he had said after the day. He was like he focuses on like three through five, not just the four batter. So, like, he considers, like, ba the three Bs, Bailey, Brown, Butler, to yeah. be, like, his big three power lineup. And so far, that top of the lineup has been really good. Oh, Austin yeah. Murr leading off at 308 average, but um, on-base percentage is 526, <laughs> which is, I think, second on the team he among had, players that have played, like, all four games. He had five plate appearances today and did not have an at-bat. He walked four times and was hit by a pitch. Yep, and and that is exactly what you need from a leadoff oh, yeah. hitter, hitter. And then um, Johnny Butler in the two spot batting four twelve. I'm sorry, Tyler McDonough is in the two spot batting three thirty three. He's been really good. And then Johnny Butler's up there. He's batting four twelve. Devontae Brown, obviously, the only one in the top five or six that was really struggling so far, and that's Patrick Bailey. Um, and you know, I'm not super surprised that like he didn't start off super hot. But he is batting under 100 through four games, whatever, one for 11. Um, has five runs, which is tied for most on the team because of his walks. He has yeah. seven walks through four games, and that on-base percentage is still pretty high at 444. 
he, he'll start hitting. We know he's going to start hitting. Like, that's not a, a shock to me. Yeah. It's not really, I'm not concerned about it. Um, and his on-base percentage is there. I think the people around him are going to get a lot of pitches yeah. because people are not going to want to face Patrick Bailey and they're going to walk him a lot, pitch around him a lot. So Brown, hot start, obviously. Butler right before him, he's had a hot start. I think those will definitely continue around him. Yeah, I, I think you have Patrick Bailey's slow start to thank for Devontae Brown, Johnny Butler, for their hot starts because, like you said, he Patrick Bailey... Outside of Tyler McDonough is probably the only established hitter on this team, like at the Division One level. So Austin Moore was a really good hitter in JUCO, but on the, at the Division One level, yeah, Bailey and McDonough are the only ones, yeah. And you're not going to pitch around the number two hitter. So when they're pitching around Patrick Bailey, it means Devontae Brown's going to get pitches to hit. It means Johnny Butler's going to get pitches to hit. Mm-hmm. And so far, they've been taking advantage of it. Oh, yeah. And that's the and they're one and two on the team in batting average. And like you said. Patrick Bailey's hitting is going to come around. The power is going to come around. I wouldn't be surprised if his average is a little lower this year because I think he's not going to get many pitches to hit. But his on-base percentage right now, 444, I'd be shocked if it doesn't stay around that level for the whole season, honestly. I mean, he's a smart hitter. He doesn't chase very often, though it'll Mm -hmm. be interesting to see how disciplined he is this year in terms of he'll be getting pitched around a lot more than last year when you had Evan Edwards in that middle of the lineup too. Yeah. It's kind of hard to pitch around one of them because they can both kill you. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't expect him to stay under 100. Or I mean, he'll he'll finish around 300. He's one of the best hitters in the country. That's that's exactly what Evan said after the game today. He said he's not concerned at all. And he said exactly that. He said he's still one of the best hitters in the country, and he's not. Yeah, they shouldn't I, be concerned. I wouldn't be concerned, not even close. And no. and his defense has been really good so far. Picked off two people today. I and think. they were both. Re- I mean, the first one, the guy kind of slipped on a little bit, but I think he had him anyway. Yeah, that was out at second, and then he got a guy at first as well. And then I know I think the Sunday game, uh, pass ball bounced off the wall. He picked it up and dove back to the plate to tag him out. Oh, he's yeah. athletic. He's fast. He's strong. Switch hitter. I mean, he's, he's gonna be he's a everything you want in an MLB pick. prospect, so he'll be fine. Um, one one player I'm really interested to see how he progresses this year is Jose Torres at shortstop, um, because he hit, he's hitting 154 right now, two for 13, has a double, a run scored, three RBIs, really quick on in on the infield. His his range is really good. Watching him in practice, yeah. But his bat's just not quite there. I mean, he's a freshman. You you kind of expect that from freshmen to not come in and just he start made, raking. So he made decent contact today, but you can tell that he's maybe a little under strength right now, having just like joined a college program for the first time, because a lot of they were good, like solid contact, but they didn't get too far in the outfield. And I think him being at short will de- kind of affect some of the other positions as well because. If if Torres is able to stay at short and Menchik is able to heat up, then Menchik would move to third and Brown could move to the outfield. Otherwise, you maybe have Menchik at short, or you keep um, or if Menchik doesn't heat up, heat up, you have Torres staying at short and Brown stays in the infield. Uh, Menchik is a is a pretty good player. He played a little bit of shortstop today, made a couple good plays out there, looked really athletic, um, pretty tall guy. So. I feel like he could have a pretty good year once he's fully healthy. I know he's had problems with hamstring. I think so. Um, definitely a guy to look out for in the infield, though. I, w- I would expect once Menchik does fully recover from that hamstring, he's one of the better hitters on the team, and he's got that potential. So I wouldn't be surprised if they kept Brown at third and then did some combination of Menchik and Torres in the middle infield and then move JT Jarrett back to the bench. Because, I mean, Menchik is a better hitter than Jarrett, and he's not exact. I mean, Jarrett's probably, especially at second, obviously, a better fielder right now but i don't think the difference is i don't think the gap is as no. wide as the gap is between for sure them I, at the I, plate. I will say jarrett had a really nice throw today as part of a 6-4-3 double play that was right after bailey's pickoff at second mm. and he it was a really clean throw and it was a really good play so he's definitely a good defensive player but you're right i think one other option they have is at keeping brown in the infield is lawson mcarthur one of the few seniors on the team, and he impressed me today quite a bit. He had two nice hits out to left field, and he looked solid. Yeah, Lawson MacArthur was one of the guys last year that I kind of thought might be able to take a corner spot in the outfield. It kind of kind of never did. It was kind of a revolving door the entire time. 
Um, but he did have a string together, a couple really good games in the middle of the year last year. He's two for five so far um, with an RBI. So I think he has, he definitely has potential to get one of these spots. I mean, it kind of also depends whether McDonough's going to stay in the outfield too, because I, if if Torres is able to move to second and you have Menchie get at shortstop, then McDonough can stay in center field. But if that's not the case, if one of the combination of those two isn't working out, then McDonough might see some time in the infield as well. And so then, then you, you have McDonough in center, Butler in one of the in left or right. I don't remember which one he plays. Um, and then you have to last, fill, I think. Then you have to fill the other one. Yeah. Uh, MacArthur's definitely a, a contender for that. Um, and, I kind of feel a couple other players. bad for MacArthur because he's a pretty solid player, and he's always had the issue of he's good, but he has great outfielders in front of him, and that's been the case all four years that he's been yeah. here. He's often been the guy you put in in the eighth inning for defense. Yeah. yeah. And when when one of the corner you have in there for offense for a while, then you just stick him out there in the last couple innings to do his defensive work just yeah. to get that, to make sure that you're solid out there. Um, Brad Debo, he, he'll DH a bunch this year, I'm sure. I don't think he's been completely healthy yet from yeah. kind of the what I got talking to some guys and, and Mac- Avent. MacArthur started at DH today. Right. Um, so if he's healthy, he'll play. He's one of the better hitters as well. And, I mean, that kind of goes through most of the starting lineup. I mean, you have um, Mark Kloop, who might get in there some. Terrell Tatum played some today. Terrell Tatum. Oh, he was good today. He's good today. He, he had two really walks. Good. He's pretty fast. He's got, he just has to limit the strikeouts. Last his, year, way too many strikeouts. Yeah. He his, doesn't hit for enough power to justify striking out. Yeah. I think he has one home run over his first two years. He has to hit for average. He just doesn't, yeah. he doesn't have the power to strike out that I mean, many times. And he has the ability to bunt. I mean, he laid down a really good bunt today. Like I know I've kind of harped on about that in our office, but I was really impressed with him today. He stole three bases. He forced two throwing errors from different pitchers today, and he just he looked really good, and he was talking about it. And he's like, yeah, it's like stealing bases when he's talking about it after the game. And that's one of the reasons I just don't think he'll be an everyday starter is because yeah. he's such a valuable weapon off uh, the bench. A, oh, yeah, as true. a pinch runner for sure. Yeah. And I think that is probably his best spot is probably as a pinch runner. And he'll get, pl- games. he'll get platoon. I, I have a feeling for most of the season, him and MacArthur will kind of platoon in right field. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, I, I don't think there's a huge difference between either of them. I mean, MacArthur's a better hitter at the moment, but Tatum's more of a threat on the base pass. They kind of complement each other. If you could combine them, it would be the it would be a great player. <laughs> now, you, you have but. to think about, though, what happens when Trash comes back. And how the, how the team's going to look with yeah. Trash. I don't know how long he'll right. be out. I know he had surgery on his hand yeah. after breaking a bone in there. Um, it, I don't know what the timetable is for that. He put on a third base last year, right? Uh, he was mostly DH. He mostly didn't really have a lot of it. I where, seen him in the field Where does he play much. in the field? You, you I'm not, not even sure, to be honest. I, he played a little bit of the corner outfield. Yeah. Okay. Like the couple times he was in there. I'm, I don't think he plays any I don't infield. see him getting much playing time in the field. I think if you he know? plays, it'll be it'll be if they're facing a lefty and he'll DH instead of Debo yeah. or that's, something. Uh, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Maybe uh-huh. if MacArthur or Tatum or whoever's in that spot out there doesn't work out at all, maybe they throw him out there in the field. He's just... I don't think he's that fast. I, we haven't seen a whole lot from him, to be honest, because of injuries, and he was a freshman last year anyway. So. Yeah. But he, he's definitely a, a power threat. He can yeah. hit yeah. lights out for sure. But that's definitely something to consider, though, when he comes back, what the team's going to look like. Um, you also have, like, you know, freshman in Noah Souls. Don't really know a whole lot about him. I know he's an outfielder from High Point. I played against him in high school. Um, obviously, he's pretty good. I don't know if he'll have a chance to uh, to get out there at all. And David Vasquez is another guy. He's he's a veteran guy. He's been here for a while. Plays you know short, second, third base. I'm sure he can play outfield as well. I don't know how much playing time he's really gonna get, especially if you have Devonte Brown hitting really well. Yeah. Torres picks it up. Menchik. So I don't know how if there's really gonna be a spot available f- available for him a whole lot this year. Uh-huh. Um, but. You have a solid group at the top of the lineup, and that's what I'm most excited about for this team is that Devontae Brown, Johnny Butler, Tyler McDonough, Austin Murr, and Patrick Bailey, like you have a solid five guys there. See, even your sixth is like, you said, like, that means Debo's your sixth. Yep. Like, that's a really good Debo six hitter. Or Menchik is six. Yeah. So. Debo mentioning trash when he comes back. Like, you're going to have a powerful sixth hitter pretty much no matter what. And... What I was most impressed with this weekend as the entire team was the speed. Oh, the, yeah. the stolen bases were 15 for 16 stealing in four games. That is really good, especially because 
in the past, most of the lineup has not been that fast. Yeah. I mean, you have a couple guys every once in a while, but like the entire lineup is is pretty fast. I mean, like Devontae Brown has a stolen base. Johnny Butler's two for three. Man, Tyler, five for five. Yeah, Tyler McDonough's five for five. Terrell Tatum's four for four. Lawson McArthur has one. Patrick that, okay, Bailey has no. a stolen base. I will say, I think they were pretty generous with Lawson McArthur on that one. That's fair. I really think it should have been a throwing error. The ball was really high. And that doesn't even count Jose Torres, who we know is fast. JT Jarrett doesn't have a stolen yeah. base. He's pretty fast. I mean, really the only guy that I would say probably not stealing a lot of bases is Brad Debo. Yeah. I mean, I, Menchik, I'm not sure how fast he is. I mean, he plays middle infield, so I'm he's, sure he's at least pretty quick. He's not slow. He was. There were a couple of times this weekend where you saw him kind of take off, and former sports editor Alex Sawyer has said to me in the press box, he's pretty quick. So yeah. I mean, last year, on, I mean, this isn't a, a team like, Ellie Avent doesn't like to steal a lot of bases. Like last, yeah. no. last year, they only stole forty-four bases. They're over a third of the way there yeah. already through four games. Well, yeah. They stole four today, and that's something that interests me. They stole four today, and when Elliot was asked about, it, he's like, "Yeah, I thought we were pretty good on the base pass, but I think we could have been more aggressive." Yeah, which was very not Elliot Avent to say that about being aggressive on the base pass. So yeah, I mean, it's all going to depend on the catcher, obviously. But I mean, that speed is really. It's it's re- it's a really good asset for this team, especially for a team that it looks like not going to have a lot of home runs. I mean, Devontae Brown has some power. He had the home run. Uh, his, crown. his was deep today, too. Johnny Butler had one. It was kind of a line drive. Austin Murs as well was also a line drive. I mean, you have Debo and Bailey that are power threats. Um, but overall, it's not going to be like Evan Edwards and Will Wilson. It's not going to be that yeah. team. We're not going to hit, you know, they're not going to hit 20 home You're- runs. I mean, and you can't expect that. You're not going to replace those two guys in one year. Right. But, so the speed is really going to help. Oh, yeah. Um, let's move on to the mounds. Talked a lot about the position players there. Nick Sweeney on Friday was fabulous. He was dealing. He was dealing. 11 strikeouts, 7 scoreless endings. Only gave up 2 hits, 2 walks. He was really good. I would expect for him to stay in a Friday spot or at least a weekend I spot. I think he's going to stay spot. in the, If he pitches as well as he pitched on Friday... He's going to hold that Friday spot. Because, like, Reed Johnston has played, I think, a couple innings, thrown a couple innings in relief. Yeah, he had two innings. He had two innings in relief. I see him getting back in the starting lineup probably as the Saturday starter. I would think so. He's done that every year so far. I mean, freshman year, obviously, you start in the pen. But last year as well, when he was a starter at the end of his freshman year, he started in the pen his sophomore year. So I'm not surprised to see that. I also think that, like, Every year to start the year, he's a little bit slower to kind of get going. Yeah. So I feel like starting him in the pen, throw him a couple times, and then once ACC play starts to pick up, you then you can move him into oh. a weekend spot. We also saw two freshmen start. We saw Willardson. Yeah, Willardson then Willardson. also played in the field. He did. He, he DH'd on Sunday, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And he pitched today, too. He came in for an inning. The, the pack, the, they actually ended the game today with three straight perfect innings. All three pitchers getting two strikeouts. Or no, no, no. The final pitcher got two flyouts and a strikeout. But the last three innings were really clean from three different pitchers. And Willardson came in for the eighth, and he was he looked good. He looked yeah. really good. He was he was a little shaky in his start on Saturday. I think he only went like two innings. He went four. Four innings. Okay, he, I was wrong. He pitched, if, I think it was four. Because how many is he up to now? But he's only at three and a third now. So. Okay, then I guess he went. He just went like two and a third innings. I he think. went two and a third then. If I remember yeah. correctly, the first two were really good. And, and that third one, he got kind of hit around right. a little bit. Yeah, he kind of got caught up there in the third inning. Probably maybe second time around there kind of got to him. But yeah, I think he's so. been good overall. I think he will be really good. Another freshman we saw on Sunday was Chris Villeman. He only lasted an inning in a third, but it was only a run and a hit uh, and a walk. So it was kind of like a quick exit for him. Aiden and, didn't really want him to stick and around you play, too much. And you have experience against him. I did. I played him in high school. Uh, he was in our conference. They were really good. Him and Noah Souls on the same team. Um, and Logan Whitaker, who's also on the NC State roster, um, we haven't seen him yeah, yet well, in, in well, his career. One of our staff writers also played against him and told me about, about how good Whitaker was. How'd you, yeah. how'd you do against Philemon? Uh, I think I got an infield hit against Villeman, actually. I mean, that's it, something it was, to be proud of. It was mostly lucky, um, <laughs> but I'll take it nonetheless. Hey, you're, you're a quick guy. His his changeup was really good. Right. I don't think he threw a breaking ball at all against us, but <laughs> his changeup was that good that he didn't need it. You know you know what pitcher really impressed me today? Harrison. 
Harrison was really good today. David oh, he Harrison. Was, he was excellent. We, I mean, we've seen him in, in years past, and he just he's he's been good for a couple games every year, and then after that, it's kind of yeah. so not much. He, he pitched career high in innings today at six, and he looked good. I mean, we don't have a radar gun. Unfortunately. But it, it felt like he was throwing a bit faster than some of the I other agree. guys I saw this weekend. When he got out, I got there, and I think the fifth inning he was out there. I'm like, oh, Harrison's still in. That's good. And then he he, he was firing in there. Right. He was throwing really and hard. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't take any time between his pitches. He's rapid fire. I love to see that. I like it because I feel like a pitcher gets in the batter's head if he's doing that because he's like, the pitcher obviously controls the tempo. And I feel like you if you go that quick, you probably get in the batter's head a little bit. And it was seven strikeouts over six innings against Longwood still, but I, I think it was a good outing. It's going to be interesting interesting to see if he, how many games he actually starts. I a, think lot of, a lot of times it'll be like he'll start a midweek game, and then like I think one or two weekends last last year he got a weekend start, but I, I would expect kind of the same thing, I think but I think he'll be more consistent this year. I think it'll be a lot of midweek starts, and he might come in relief here and there if the matchup's right. On the weekends, but I think he's mainly probably going to throw in the midweek. And I think most importantly for this team is it has a really deep bullpen. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, last year I think the bullpen was really good, kind of had some injuries that kind of halted the progress there. But this year there is a lot of guys that Avon has to use out there. I mean, guys we didn't mention, Dalton Feeney was probably the best reliever, relief pitcher last year. Mm-hmm. He pitched two, uh, three and a third, gave up four hits and a walk, struck out two, So, but you know, no runs there. Kent Kleiman. Um, Kent Kleiman. We'll he see. had two saves, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did. We'll see if he has, like, if he really comes back. Last year was a little slow for him, and I think he, at least definitely toward the end of the year, he kind of got hit pretty hard. So we'll see if he's able to step back into what he was two years ago, which was phenomenal. But I think he at least will be an asset coming out for the seventh or eighth inning, if not closing the entire year. I have a feeling he'll be. I mean, obviously it was JMU first series, but he came in and got two saves, and like he pitched really well at the end of those games too. So I I can see him being the guy on the mound. For a guy I'm really excited for Logan Bender, who is a transfer in from Des Moines Community College, I think Des Moines mm-hmm. area. We saw him again. We saw him today as well, and he was pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, he's got a really nasty breaking ball, yeah. which is cool because his last name is Bender, so it seems <laughs> like that's fitting. But he has two innings pitch, no hits allowed. He has walked two, and I think that was both. Their both walks were in his first appearance. Appearance um, a lot had a little bit of control issues there, but his ending today I think was really solid. Um, and Baker Nelson, a guy from last year, his stats last year weren't, weren't really good. I think his ERA was pretty high, but he was put into a lot of bad situations last year. He was brought in with runners on quite a bit. So I think he'll be a really good, uh, pitcher for us this year. Um, Evan justice and Kane and silver, excuse me. Um, both guys that have pitched have started before, um, silver definitely did at the end of last year. I would expect Silver to get more chances this year to start to kind of compete for that third spot besides Swinney and besides Reed Johnson. So there's a lot of options. And that's the the thing I'm really getting at here is that if someone's not doing well, NC State has the arms to bring somebody else in. I genuinely think if Harrison keeps up how he played today, he could take that Sunday spot, honestly. He He was really good today. He was. He was really good today. Um, I, there's a bunch of freshmen that have gotten in. We've talked about f- some of them in Torres and Willardson and uh, Chris Villeman. Uh CJ Nice actually got in that bat. He's uh, he's from Greensboro as well. Uh, one for one and an RBI. So I'm not sure. He's a, a pitcher slash fielder. Um, I know he played shortstop in high school. I'm not sure which one he's really going to be you know, leaning toward. It's probably one of those things where Elliot's going to use him how he sees right. fit and whatever he's doing, he'll figure it out in practice. It's interesting to see Avent using that pitcher and hitter because I think in the past he hasn't used it and Reed Johnson came in as an infielder and pitcher. I don't think he ever really saw in the field or at the plate at all. He's been a pitcher the entire, his entire career here. So it was kind of interesting to see him actually use the, the dual position players here. So I'm excited to really see, especially for Willardson, if he's able to to pitch and hit because he did both of those pretty well in the first series. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because Willardson is very he looks like he's a pretty seems like a pretty big guy, right? He is. He was a pretty big guy. So he had a nice swing though. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like 
that DH spot seems like it could honestly be a pretty big revolving door this year in terms of just he's going to throw whoever he feels is hitting well. I mean, you could see some of the guys that are like pitcher fielders. Or Especially if Debo is not healthy. That, that's what I mean. Yeah, Debo or if Patrick Bailey needs a day off, you have options at that DH spot. So if you look at the schedule for the coming weeks, Tennessee Tech this coming weekend. Tennessee Tech was a pretty good program, I think, two years ago. I remember them leading in almost like every offensive category. Yeah. Last year, not quite as strong. I don't know what they're what they're doing this year. And then you have a midweek game against UNCW. And this tournament, or kind of round robin here, that is really interesting is actually in Minneapolis against Iowa, Purdue, and Minnesota. Yeah. Kind of interesting. We got you know kind of thrown into the with those teams up yeah. there, but um, it's at U.S. Bank Stadium, which I, if I'm not mistaken, is the Viking Stadium. Hey, can it's we go? Not the Twins Stadium. Can we go? I would love to go. That'd be awesome. We definitely can. It's afford a little. That. It's a yeah, little bit far away though. <laughs> Um, but that's on the 28th, 29th, and 1st. Um, that'll be a really big weekend to see where this team is at yeah. because, I mean, obviously those schools are going to have good teams. You know, whether they're ranked or not, they're going to have solid programs. So pretty excited for that one. And then you, you they come back to Raleigh for a Coastal Carolina game on March 4th. That'll, right, that'll be good. Right before ACC play starts. Coastal Carolina obviously played a number of times. I think last year actually lost to them. Mm-hmm. It was our second loss, I believe. A that sounds game. right. Um, and then you have ACC play at Virginia away, Boston College, Wake Forest at home, Florida State on the road. Florida State is really good this year. I mean, they're Always. the ones that ended the right, undefeated yeah. start last year. I was at that game not covering it, just like I think I went with my dad, and it sucked. Yeah, I was just like also being there. there for that. Like it just sucked. <laughs> and then you have. You have um, Florida State on the road, Duke's at home, Georgia Tech is away. Georgia Tech is a really good program again. Also, like we don't like Georgia Tech anymore. Yeah, last year ended NC State in the ACC tournament. And uh, Georgia Tech is ranked 19th right now with the D1 baseball rankings. Duke, as I mentioned earlier, is 16th. Florida State is 12. So there's a lot of good series right there. I think in our season schedule preview, there were like four or five series in a row against ranked teams. It was, is, it was there were five series in a row against ranked teams. If I'm not mistaken, there were some pretty decent midweek unranked matchups in there. I think it was like Wofford, Elon. You have South Carolina and Charlotte, who the NC State yeah. played both of them last year pretty tight. Um, and then you have UNC this time, this year at home, so that's good. Um, and then you have Clemson to kind of um, you have Clemson before you go into like a, a stretch again of non-conference. Austin P coming to Raleigh. Woo. Louisville's t- toward the tail end of the season. Louisville started preseason number one. They're now number three after losing one of their games to Ole Miss. Is Ole Miss so, good at baseball? I, I, know mean, they're good, I know they're pretty good softball. They're SEC. They're <laughs> always going to be good. good. Uh, no, but that's they're, fair. they're 17th. So. That's fair. There, there's a lot of really good teams on the schedule. The schedule is kind of brutal. Unfortunately, you do have Georgia Tech away and Clemson away and Louisville away. So some of the good I mean, series are away. But you do have UNC, Duke's ranked. Um, Wake Forest always plays NC State tight. So that's this, how, this is a tough schedule. That's always how it's going to be in the ACC, though. Whether In just about any sport, though, you're never going to get an easy ACC schedule in just about anything. The ACC is just good across the board, frankly. So... All right, let's get in. I know we're four games in, but let's get into a couple predictions here. Um, uh, good. I'm not going to look like an idiot this time picking uh, my breakout player to be um, Matt McKay. Oh, yeah. That, that was a rough year for all of us. Those <laughs> yeah, predictions we, we did not have good football bad. predictions. So uh, we'll start We'll start with a an MVP position player or hitter and then an MVP pitcher as well. And then we'll go to uh, breakout player of the year. Um, and then we'll talk about kind of where we think this team will end up at the end of the season. Um, so does anyone want to start out with a position player? My breakout player and MVP are the same person. I think it's going to be Devontae Brown. Devontae Brown? Yes. That's fair. He, Like I said last year, he was like, I think he had, I think I said earlier, he had three extra base hits coming into this year. He has already had that in just triple, or in just doubles in the first four games this year. He's hitting 500. Obviously, that is unsustainable. Yep. He'll drop down and probably be just above 300. But 
he's just like, if you look at him and if you talk to him, he's confident right now. Whether that be from what he did in the Sunbelt League over the summer or just something that's happened recently, he just looks good. And that home run today was pretty close to straightaway center field. It was like, if anyone knows at Doak where the flagpoles are and then the light pole just next to it, it was like directly at that. And it was an absolute, it was kind of a moonshot, but it was impressive. And I think he's just going to keep this up and he's going to be a solid fielder too. Yeah, my, my MVP is Patrick Bailey. He's the best player on the team. He's going to be a top 10 pick, maybe top 5 pick. And what like statistics will never show is just how good he is at calling games. Like, yeah. You talk to any of the pitchers that have that like he calls the games for, and he's just incredible behind the plate calling pitches. Yeah. I mean, obviously... He, one of those intangibles. Of it, right, but obviously part of it is pitching coaches. Like, they have the game plans going in, but he, he's just... He's the best player on the team. He's He plays one of the most, if not the most important position uh, behind the dish. And yeah, I just, I think he's going to be the most valuable. I agree with you that I think he's the best player on the team, but I think that's going to be to his detriment this year because people are going to pitch around him and that's just how it's going to be. So his numbers won't be as good. Yeah. If I'm going MVP, I'm probably going Patrick Bailey. Um, His numbers again, who knows because the pitchers won't be looking to face him. He's probably going to walk a lot. Um, and as a catcher in general, usually you're not going to hit like 350 um, unless you're like Adley Richman from Oregon State last year or whatever. But he's going to be the MVP of the, of the of the team. Obviously, calling calling pitches is huge. I mean, those those pitchers really trust him back there, and he's and fair enough because he's definitely a trustable uh, he, catcher. He's, he's earned that. Yeah, his, his the back like ability to stop pitches in the dirt and throw people out stealing is and is even really when he gets incredible. behind him, as we saw on Sunday, and still pretty good at recovering. He has the ability to switch at the plate if he needs to, um, and he's done that quite a bit this year, and he will continue to do it depending on who he's facing. Um, if I had to pick another player besides Bailey, I'd probably go Tyler McDonough. Um, he's just the next best hitter on the team. Last year, um, I think he hit like three twenty or three ten yeah, or whatever somewhere around there. Yeah. So he's an elite center fielder he too. He is. His, the play, the diving catch he made. Oh, in, that was on I Saturday. Think it was Friday. Yeah, or Saturday. It, was Friday. it was Friday. That he started. was incredible, and that's exactly why you want him in center yeah. field if he's able to stay there because we have no. an option at second base is a little different. But I think I'd probably go with Tyler McDonough. He's he'll hit you know two spots before Bailey. Right in front of Johnny Butler, he's gonna be. It's gonna be important for him to get on, and obviously Austin Murr important to get on, and it's just gonna be really. We're gonna need. NC State's gonna need Tyler McDonough to step up. And you, you got the batting order slightly wrong. He'll be up there. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, he, like, saying, he's not gonna, five right now. He's not gonna stay down there. I think he'll move up at some point, whether it's in the leadoff spot or not. But, I don't know. Do you want to take Murr off the leadoff spot? Not right now, but maybe later. Okay, fair. Um. But we're, even if he stays at five, like Patrick Bailey is going to get walked, yeah, and Devontae Brown's going to keep continue to hit. So we're NC State's going to need Tyler to step up and really yeah. make those make get the RBIs in before it kind of goes down to the bottom yeah. of the lineup, which is not as strong. I think if I was to separate it and do like offensive and defensive MVPs, if that makes sense, I don't know if that's really a baseball thing. Yeah, uh, it would be Patrick Bailey for defensive, one hundred percent. But I think because Patrick Bailey's going to get walked so much, and he's pretty quick, I think that's going to lead Brown to be getting a lot of RBIs just from the fact that he's more often than not going to have somebody on base right before him. Let's you know? go to uh, to pitchers real quick. Um, well, Jake had something to say. No, I was just say I'm a little wary of take putting too much stock into four games against bad teams like yeah, the Devontae sure. browns but, hit the ball well but it's also a guy that like you said had three extra base hits his he, first two seasons but that's the, he's improved year on year his batting average went up almost 100 between his freshman and sophomore year this summer he took the crown of the sunbelt league for home runs and it's not even that it's just like against bad teams he just looks good right but th- this is a team with a couple guys and Tyler McDonough and Patrick Bailey that are established that will be next year Tyler McDonough could be a first round pick will definitely be probably a top three round pick so you got guys that are like established hitters and players Austin Murr was an established I mean he hit what 470 or something in Juco last year like I'm I'm not gonna the jury's still out 
on Devontae Brown. I think if you asked this question a week ago, he's not even crossing anyone's mind. No, no, that's That's fair. why I'm that's a little fair. wary of yeah. putting too much stock into four games against one, a team that didn't even make the NCAA tournament last year for the series, and then today against a team that never sniffs the College World Series. And I mean, to be fair, of the three of us, as is the case with football, I know the least about baseball. Now, and that's obviously pretty pretty evident. But I think the pick's fine. I think Devontae Brown's going to be good this year. Let's go to pitchers real quick. We'll talk about kind of MVP. I'm gonna go with Reed Johnston. I think I think Nick Swinney is gonna be a solid starter, and I think he'll be good in the Friday spot if he continues to pitch there. But I think Reed Johnston. He's been there before. He's going to have to be there if NC State wants to go pretty far in the postseason. And he's going to have to be the Saturday guy. And he, it's it's been the case every year where he starts in the bullpen and he moves into the starter role. He'll do it again. But at the end of last year, he had some rough starts. And that kind of definitely hurt the team as a whole going down the stretch, just kind of losing some of those games and not really being as strong. So if NC State wants to go into a super regional and compete or a regional and compete, Reed Johnson has to be that guy. Yeah, that, that that's going to be mine too. Um, pr- pretty much echoing exactly what you said. Uh, like, I think Sweeney will be good. I think he'll play. I think he'll pitch well, but he doesn't have the same type of experience as being a starter every weekend. Whether Reed Johnson is going to be Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. That's obviously you can't tell after one weekend. It looks like maybe Sweeney will stick in that Friday spot. But I think Reed Johnson's got the most experience. He's been there before. Coming out of the bullpen for most of your freshman year than being pretty much the ace last year, especially once Jason Parker kind of tailed off the last half of the season. I, I think he's your best starter, and I think the most valuable pitcher's got to be a starter, someone that actually eats up innings, not necessarily a reliever who is going to throw max 40 innings in a 56 to 65 game season. Unless you're Kent Kleiman um, <laughs> and you throw 55 or something yeah. insane. <laughs> I want to be different. What's up? Nick Swinney. I like it. It might just be because like Sunday's the one game I haven't covered. And like that's the one that Reed pitched in. And I didn't really get to see him. There's a small sample size anyway. Yeah, he yeah. threw two innings, I think. And I was really impressed with Swinney. I think there's something to be said about starting a year with a career best. Like, career best eleven was 11 strikeouts, yeah. right? And wasn't the seven innings also a career best? Or a career long? I think it was. Think, yeah. Like, you start the year with the best outing of your college career. And sure, it's against James Madison. But you start the year strong like that. You got in, you instill confidence in people, and I'm confident in no, him. No, Swin is good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he stays good throughout the season. I just he he had a 4.6 ERA last year. He only started three games. He was good down the stretch, yeah. But he still only started three games last year. So, like I said, I want to see a little bit out of him first before, yeah. like saying, like again, if you asked me this a week ago, it wouldn't have been Nick Swin. He probably yeah. wouldn't have even been on my radar. I'd have been 100 percent Reed well, Johnson. We've known for a while that he was going to be the Friday starter, at least for this James Madison series. And I think what he did in this series is he proved to Avent that he's got to stick him in that spot at least until he proves him otherwise. Yeah. And I think he's going to stay there until he proves him otherwise. And I don't think he'll prove him otherwise. I said prove him otherwise a lot, but y'all get the point. <laughs> it's, it's fair, yeah. I mean, he was their best pitcher this weekend. Yeah. All right, breakout player. Um, I was leaning Menchik for a while, and I still think he'll have a really good year. But I'm actually going to go to the bullpen for a breakout player. Oh, one of the freshmen? No, I'm going to go with Logan Bender. And okay. it's breakout because he hasn't been here. He's been, yeah. he was at community college. He was really good at Des Moines area. I think the stat was in 57 innings, he had 114 strikeouts. And that is ridiculous. Yeah. That, nasty. that is, yeah. Two <laughs> strikeouts an inning for that many innings is unbelievable. That he's going to be the rock in the middle of that that bullpen. He'll come out for the seventh, the eighth. I don't think he'll really find many many closing opportunities, uh, especially with Kent Kleiman out there and some other guys. So I think he has the ability to come in for multiple innings as well, which we haven't seen um, yet, but his stuff is disgusting. So he's going to be out there every series, 
twice maybe, and he's going to be the guy that Avent's going to go to when there's men on base and need some outs. He was – I was impressed by him today. He pitched the ninth inning, and he got one strikeout, but he had the other two guys. I think it was a pop out and a ground out, and he only threw nine pitches. Yeah. So, I mean, that's impressive. I mean, it's Longwood. But I was impressed. He looked like he had pretty good stuff. Um, I already mentioned my breakout player. It's going to be Brown, I think. And it's less of a breakout for him compared to like someone like Bender since he, he was here the last two years. But he's just improved year on year, and I think this is going to be the year that he's averages above 300 and is like, yep, I'm a really good player. I'm maybe not as good as some of the other guys on this team, but he's up there. Like just below Bailey and McDonough. Yeah, I'm gonna go with who I probably would have picked a week ago is, and he played really well this weekend. Austin Moore. I oh, mean, he was good. The, this the dude hit 470 his freshman year in JUCO. Over both seasons, so he's a junior now. His freshman and sophomore year in Iowa, he had a 710 slugging percentage. <laughs> it's just the the guy he just hits, and I mean he's a first baseman. He's not particularly fast, and yet Elliot Avent trusts him to lead off. It. it Kind of speaks volumes to him. I, I think I think he he could end up he could wind up as their best hitter this season. Um, like I said, I'm not going to put too much stock into a four game sample size yet, but yeah. he hit well. And I think if he he's going to get, he's probably going to start every game. They don't have I don't think Brad Debo is going to play first base. Yeah. They don't really have anyone behind mm-hmm. Murr at first base. And I think he's going to come as close as you can to filling it to 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 filling in Evan Edwards' shoes. Considering you're not going to get someone that can fully hit 330 with 16 home runs you were talking about him being the leadoff without being too fast i think the main reason elliot's got him in that spot is he seems like a really smart hitter he does yeah he has he got to first base just for free five times he walked four times with hip once and he only struck out twice the entire weekend and let's see he had one doll he had two doubles and a home run and that home run was nice too. it was a nice leadoff i think it was what, maybe the second pitch he saw? I think it was the third pitch, yeah. Third pitch. And then Brown's leadoff one today was first or second pitch he saw. But I think it's because he's a smart yeah. batter. And I think that's why Elliot's got him there. It's somebody that he knows. Because if you can get Austin Murr on base, your next three batters coming up are going to be Tyler McDonough, Patrick Bailey, and then Brown or Butler if they swap back and forth right now. It's Brown. You got a pretty good chance of bringing Murr around. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just a pure hitter, right. and I think that's going to come a long way. By the way, I think it was it's Murr that went to Des Moines area, and then um, who I was talking about, Bender went to Catawba Valley Community College last year, and then Campbell his freshman year. So okay. just to clear, just to clear that up. That, how often does that happen? Go to a like pretty often in baseball, and be, then JUCO, so you, so you can avoid the one year transfer from the NCAA. So you oh, go to a JUCO okay. your sophomore year and then transfer out your your junior or senior year. So okay, that that makes a lot of sense then. Um, all right. So overall, the story with the baseball team in recent years has been lose out in a regional. Has You're been really start good, amazing, really good the entire regular season. Kind of fall off at the end, losing a regional when maybe you shouldn't because of the talent that you have. So what I want to get is real quick a take on. If that is going to be the same case this year, if it's going to be any different, um, kind of the the just projection of where this team will be this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll go first. My opinions are pretty widely known. I mean, I think it's going to be the same thing because you've got the same coach that you've had for the last 22 years, the longest tenure coach to not win a conference championship. I mean, Elliot Avent, he's not going to get it done. Uh, I don't think this team is particularly... I think they're a good team. I don't think they're anything special, especially I don't think they're as good as last year's team. Even last year's team went 0-2 in the regional. Uh, I think they're a good team. I think they'll probably, I could see them being maybe a two-seed in a region. My guess would be that they end up as a three-seed. Um, hopefully you avoid ECU's region this year. But uh, I, I think they'll may- maybe win a game in the regional and then end up losing. But I, I don't see this. I don't think this team, they don't have enough established pitching and they don't have enough established hitting so far. They, they could develop in it, but I don't see this team yet as on par with the Louisville and Miami of, and even Florida State of the ACC as a team that has veteran talent, a lot of veteran talent, and could make it to a Super Regional or College World Series. I think College World Series isn't going to happen. I could see them getting to a Super Regional 
because I think last year the regional they got they got kind of hard done by. If that I makes agree. sense, like they got a really tough regional. But you only they only got put in that regional because they just completely oh, no. fell apart the last month of the season. So it's not they it's deserved, their fault that they yeah, got that, in that that's regional. That's what I mean is like they deserved the regional that they got because of how they play at the end of the season. But that team with the ability that team had deserved in not an easier regional, but to be probably host a regional. They were a team that had that the had the ability and pedigree to host a regional and kind of threw it away in the last end of the season. You start twenty seven and two and you don't host a regional. Exactly. That I fully agree with you on that. I just think and like they earned it, but I think if this team can just play to expectation, they can get out of a regional. I think that's all they have to do is play to expectation. They don't have to go crazy. You're I agree with you they're not as good as last year because Edwards was a first round pick too, right? No, no it was second, a fourth round. Fourth? Yeah. So two guys in the Out top of forty, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> two guys in the top five rounds, including what did what did Wilson go? Fifteenth, I think. Fifteenth. Yeah, guy that gets taken in literally the top half of the first round. And you lost your Friday starter, Jason Parker, too. Yeah. And you got lose your Friday Friday starter. You lose a bunch of other guys. The team's not as good, but if they can play as well as they're expected to, they can get a regional that's possible for them to get out of. And I think they can at least get out of it. Don't think they're going to make the College World Series. But you always have to be wary because that's just what NC State baseball does. The See, thing about this team that's much different is the depth in the pitching. I can agree and with you And you win a regional with pitching depth. That's how you do it. There's too many games there. If you don't have pitching depth, you're not going to win it. Yeah. Yep. And last year, the regional ECU, I think NC State had probably one of the harder schedules in a regional, and that's you face a Campbell guy who got drafted pretty high. You face an ECU guy that got drafted pretty high. And you face two guys, and they're both on like that. It's going to be difficult to get out of it, and that's exactly also, what happened. Didn't Now, you guys went to the regional. I did not go. But if I'm remembering correctly, weren't they mounting a comeback in one of the games and then the skies opened up and it got yeah. pushed the next day? It doesn't help that either. That kills momentum. Like, it doesn't help either. I mean, I'm not sure if they would have come back anyway. Yeah. It was, it was, the comeback was a, a home run. It wasn't yeah. like... They, they, it okay. had been back and forth and Campbell went up 4-2 and Johnny Butler hit a home run to make it 4-3. So that's my thing is though, like that situation of the skies opening helps out Campbell more than it helps out state in that situation specifically so like either way i i think the difference this year is the pitching depth the team is not as good the team as a whole is deeper i think i think there's a lot of guys that can get on the field a lot of pitchers that'll be be on the mound but i just don't see where the production is going to make up for edwards gone wilson gone and basically the rest of the other guys kind of being the same and then you then you lose Jason Parker and a bunch of other pitchers in the bullpen. It's just not going to be the same team where they're at. I think I think this team has as good a chance as last year to get out of a regional though because mm-hmm. of the pitching depth. That's how you win a regional is pitching depth. There's they might host. I don't think they'll host. They'll probably so be either. a two seed in a regional. But I think they have just as good as a shot to get out of it as the one no. seed will. And like you said, with the pitching, a lot of it will depend on who they face in the regional. Yeah. Like if you if you have to face a three seed who just happens to have one of the ten best pitchers in the country. Yeah. Uh, now that that team that Campbell team as a whole wasn't a great team, but you've got one of the best pitchers in the country. It doesn't matter if you score two runs. Like if Campbell you, scores two runs, they could very easily you can't win, win a that championship game. on the back of a pitcher, but you can yeah. win a game. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happens exactly. twice. Now, so something that what you were saying made me think of is you know what I think it could very honestly come down to? The freshman pitchers. There's a number of freshman pitchers on this team, and if they pitch even half as good as they did in high school, which they probably won't because it's high school. But if they're able to pitch what I guess Avon expects them to, Willison, Villaman and those guys, that could easily be your game changer. I think it'll be really interesting to see where this team ends up just because of how different the team is. The speed's different. The pitching's different. The power's not there as, he, as it usually is. They'll definitely be playing smaller ball. Definitely. I think you'll get a lot of production out of JT Jarrett's bunts this year um, like we did. I think it was – I don't know if it was last year, but I one, one of the years he like led the ACC and sacrificed bunts by like a lot. So – 
You'll there, love to see it. Yeah, there'll be a lot of opportunity for this team to prove that how good it is. Obviously, it's a long season. We'll see if they're able to keep the intensity through all 60 games as they're unable to do last year, basically. So thank you guys for tuning in. I know it was a long episode, a lot about baseball here. Really love yeah. it. Going to do a lot more baseball, obviously, with Baseball's basketball kind of coming down to, to the end in the next month and then um, kind of wrestling coming down to the end. But we'll definitely do a, a basketball episode pretty soon. But thank you guys for listening. I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Jake Cacavaro. And I'm Assistant Sports Editor Nicholas Schnecker. And we'll see you guys next time.